Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I thank you for joining us today. This is William Rogers, and I'll be bringing the the message today out of this, uh, what I think is a fascinating and interesting book. It's a book of prophecy, and it's the book of Revelation. We're going all the way through the book from uh, chapter 1 all the way through to the end, chapter 22. And I have been uh, so advised by several people in the last couple of weeks that they can't believe we're even doing this because uh, Revelation is really not one that can, people can understand. It's too divisive, and you know you really ought to just stay out of it. And uh, but you know I, I look at this uh, quite differently. I look at this as uh, we're, we're actually told that we're blessed if we read and study this book in Revelation chapter one verse three. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. For the time is near. And I do believe the time is near. I'm not going to be one of these that's going to say it's next week or give a date, but I do believe the time is near. And I believe that as we get even closer, that a stronger and fuller revelation of all that is in prophecy will be coming to light. And so I am thankful to be able to teach through this book. I'm in a very difficult section of Revelation because it's in the during the... Uh, Tribulation period, which all the chapters are from five to nineteen, uh, are in the in the in the tribulation period, the seven year tribulation period on Earth, and we're in that last section. The uh, I guess it would be the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years. At least that's where I would place this. And what I'm talking about is in Revelation chapter nine. I taught it last week and the last couple of weeks. I've been in chapter nine, but in this section, verses thirteen through twenty one. And I certainly hope you have a copy of God's Word open and can follow along. But I'm in the section that's uh, marked verses 13 through 21. Last week I did 13 through 15. And today I want to do 16 through 19. And uh, I will be looking back over some of the previous chapter, uh, some of the previous verses in this. But to give you the context so that you can follow along, I want to get straight to it. It's a very difficult passage. This is talking, when I read this, I'm describing a supernatural army that is going to be terrorizing the earth during the second half of the Great Tribulation. We're not told how long they're going to last, uh, but you're going to see it is a devastating army. And so beginning in, again, Revelation chapter 9, I will be reading in beginning in verse 16. The Word of God reads in verse 16, And the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses and those who sat on them. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and brimstone, and the heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire, smoke, and brimstone. Verse 18, a third of mankind was killed by these three plagues, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which proceeded out of their mouths. Now look, listen to verse 19, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they do harm. Now, it is a very interesting subject, and this is one that I was, uh, was reading. I try to read everything out there on the book of Revelation and on specific things that I, 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 I'm preaching on. 
And there is a lot of teaching out there, and so much of it is uh, is very interesting. I love to read it. Even that that disagrees with me, I find it interesting to read their perspective. And uh, I don't, I don't uh, bash anyone. I know the Revelation is definitely a hard book, and I don't think we've seen the clear, the clear picture of it all yet. I think that will become clear as we get closer to the end. But for this sake, I think it's going to be, when I do this, I'm going to be giving you the broad picture uh, scope of all that is going to be happening in this particular section. And this particular section is a very difficult section. So I want to do that first by giving you, number one, uh, there's only four points or five points. And uh, number one is the release. I want to look at the release. Look at verse uh, 14. And one saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, this is the sixth trumpet. You can find out more about those trumpets by looking at the beginning of chapter 8. Here's what the voice from around the throne, where we looked last week at the throne, and the altar around the throne, just without even going back and looking at all that, just know this. It is at the, in the very presence of God. A voice comes from the very presence of where God is. That whether it's the Lord Jesus himself, which I think it very well could be since he's the one unsealing this scroll or this book. It says, he gives the command in verse 14. Listen to what the command is. So one, one word here, this release. Release, that's the word I want to focus in on again today. and It's number one on the outline, and that's the word release. Release, look at how he phrases it. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, last week we got into this, and we said some things that are very interesting. We don't know really who the voice is because it doesn't tell us. In other words, the voice is not identified, but the location from which it is is identified. And that tells us that the Holy Spirit is giving emphasis there. Notice that it comes from one of the four horns, one of the four horns on the of the golden altar, which is before God. And really the whole point of this that I want to make, uh, instead of going back over everything we did last week, is that it is before God. Now, we, we see at this altar, and we looked at, at what the altar actually is and what it represents last time. So this time I just want to mention it again, that it is coming from the very presence of God. It is, And this is important because this is God releasing through a command the the command to release these beings and it says angels now so we we look at the angels and we we have to ask the question well what kind of angels are these and are they really angels because i know in the in the greek you look at different words uh, messengers or or angels or but this is angels but i want to give you the clue here as to who they are and we we saw this last week Release the four angels who are bound. You see the word bound? At the great river Euphrates. Now this is fascinating. Who are the angels? Well, we, we first of all, never in Scripture does it say holy angels are bound. And I, I say holy angels because really there's two kinds of angels. There are the holy angels and then there are the unholy angels or evil angels or demons. These are angels that rebelled with Lucifer and were cast out of heaven. And so these are the evil angels or or unholy angels. 
and they have been bound. You don't bind holy angels. We said last week the reason you would bind these angels would be to prevent them from doing what they're not supposed to do. So they're restricted. They're restrained. And it's, uh, it's, there's a reason why God is releasing them here. And we'll look at that in just a minute. But they are being released, and that is a key here because this is God's command to the angel who has the sixth trumpet to release them. So, with that in mind, let's move to the second word, which is reason. Why are these angels, demons, evil angels, being released? And then notice what what the first thing it says about them. Release the four angels who are bound. That just tells us these are four angels that tells us where they're bound. And the four angels who had been prepared. Notice that, first of all, it tells us something uh, as to the reason by giving us they have been prepared for this moment. Look at how it says it in verse 15. Who have been prepared for the hour, day, month, and year to be released. They are to be released at this exact moment. This is speaking directly to the sovereignty of God. Now remember, I said last week, God is large and in charge. He does not cooperate his will with Satan. It is not God and Satan are sovereign and reign together. It's not God and man who reign together. It is God and God alone who is sovereign and does in heaven what he chooses to do, as the psalm says, and as Malachi chapter 3 says. God sits in the heaven and does whatever he wishes. And then we find in Hebrews, God, God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. And he does whatever he will. And this is God using this time to bring judgment to the earth. So in the, re- the reason these are released is They have been prepared for this, but then notice what it says in verse 15. So that they might kill a third of mankind. Why are these being released? They're being released simply to kill. That is what they are being released to do. This is God's judgment, ladies and gentlemen. And I realize that the earth is going to see already in the very first section of this, verses 1 through 12, a demonic host coming straight out of the pits of hell, being led by one person, Apollyon, the leader of these. And this is being led, this another attack of demonic activity, is being led by four evil angels or demons. So they're similar in some way, and you don't put these together. It's two different times. The first group in verses 1 through 12, their torment lasts for five months. And the second invasion with this army we don't know how long it lasts but we do know their mission is to kill it says right there very clearly so that they might kill a third of mankind which means think about that that god has predetermined now i know that frightens people but god has a plan and uh isaiah chapter 40 6 says that he he is able to determine the end from the beginning. In other words, God has determined all of this before the very foundations of the earth were laid. And so all of that is being uh, brought to the surface here as as is still in the future. It's still coming, but it's something that has been prepared since before Genesis 1-1. And man, that is amazing to look at the sovereignty of God being given to us 
And, and we go through the whole Bible and we see just bite-sized pieces of this to make this large doctrine called the sovereignty of God or the sovereign will of God. And it is, it is absolutely amazing. But these four demons are being released to carry out God's plan. Yes, it is God's plan, and it is God's plan to bring judgment to the earth and judgment upon these uh, unbelievers. And we, we even looked at who the target was and his unbelievers. And I want to read you out of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, For this very reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false. In order that, this is Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, in order that they may all be judged who did not believe the truth. You could substitute truth for the gospel. They did not believe the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not believe it, but took pleasure in wickedness. Well, I don't know how much fun this is going to be for the people on earth, but it is going to be a devastating thing. But the reason they're coming is to kill and to complete what God's will is. In other words, they are going to do exactly what God says. No question about it. Then number three, I want you to just notice the river, and the river is where they are bound. In verse 15, it says the four angels who have been prepared but yet before that, it says they are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now, basically, this is in the area of Iraq. And uh, we're, we don't know exactly where the new Babylon will be or Babylon the Great that's being referred to in chapter 17 and 18. But we're going to look at that because I think it gives us a lot of information. I realize there's a lot of teaching out there that says uh, America is Babylon the Great. It is the new Babylon or the political Babylon. I realize all that that's out there, and we're going to deal with a lot of that. I just don't want to take the time now in looking at this subject. So this river, Euphrates, and we said last week, is a place where it's associated with, with very much uh, demonic activities, and we gave you all that was there. And if you didn't hear that, then I ask you to go back and, and listen to that. But the great river Euphrates uh, has uh, demonic activity and false religions all through the time that date back right that has it that location. It's the place where the city of Babylon is, and you'll remember in Revelation 17, the final form of the world religion and its final form of the world economy are going to be called Babylon. This could very well be the demons who controlled Babylon of old, who controlled the, 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 the Persian Empire, who controlled the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. Because we know the scripture that we gave you last week in Romans or Daniel chapter 10, that there are demons in charge of these areas. Very powerful demons. And so that is the great river Euphrates. And then I want to bring you to number four in this outline, which is the revelation. The revelation, and then look how it says it in verse 17. This is how I saw in the revelation, or the vision, the horses and those who sat on them. Now, it's an interesting thing, because we, we don't really know much about this other than what it gives us directly here. And the first thing it gives us is that four angels have been released, and evidently this other army is... In, they're in charge of these, this massive 200 million army. And look how it phrases it. Uh, verse 16, the number of the armies of the horsemen 
worth $200 million. And then he says this comment, I heard the number. I heard the number of them. What a massive army. Now, I realize that some people, many people actually, <coughs> say that this is the kings of the east, that this has to do with China, and, um, and that's, that's is, is exactly what, is, what it's all referring to, and that it, the, the 200 million, based on what China came out of several years ago and boasted on the fact that they could produce on the field a 200 million man army. Without even so much of questioning the truthfulness of that claim, many have, have actually concluded and teach that the events mentioned here must involve a China, a Chinese invasion of the Middle East. In support of their view, boy, they give you all this information. But the problem that I have is that it actually talks more about that in a little bit further on, beginning in chapter 14. And so you, you look at this and you, you, you think, well, th- this can't be this arm. This has got to be something else. This is not this. In fact, this whole section here on the, the revelation, I'm going to give you the description here. And let me tell you, when you read this description of the horses and the, the riders on the horses and what, they're, what they are, how they look and their, their uh, speed and their, 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 all that is given about them, you are going to be very hard-pressed to find one Chinese person that looks like this description. But now this passage would say not only would you have to find one in that army, but in all of the 200 million in the army would have to look like that. So if it's all from China, do all the people from China look like this? I don't think so. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a very problematic thing for people to start trying to match current events into the Scriptures instead of expounding the Scriptures and let them tell us what they are. And so this, this, this is a, such an interesting thing to look at the, the revelation here, and the first thing you notice is that the number of these horsemen is 200 million. And then he gives the, uh, begins to give a description here of this. The number of them would have to come first. And uh, this, remember, this is, there's already demons that have been running all over the earth, especially in the section verses 1 through 12. You saw that. There are already demons who have been in the space all along and have been now cast to the earth. Uh, And then there's uh, the pit that has opened up. And so there's already a lot of demonic activity. And I've always said this. If God were to open our eyes right now and show us the evil world around us in the spiritual dimension and the demons that are around, and we could see them, I think it would scare us to death. I think we would have to just fall on our knees and ask God to protect us and and realize that there are so many. Well, this is even going to be worse. As as uh, some have suggested, this is... this. Some have even said, this is a human army. Well, I don't see this human. I see, first of all, how do we know it's a, it's a, a spiritual army, a, a supernatural army? Well, you, you have all of these reasons that are given that we've already looked at in looking at the Revelation. You have 200 million are led by four demons, uh, four evil angels. Well, it could be uh, demons that have entered men, demon-possessed men on an army. Well, I guess it could be. 
The location of the army is stated as Euphrates River, where Babylon is located, which in the future will be the headquarters of the counterfeit trinity. Right there you see the the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. That's the Antichrist or the uh, the counterfeit trinity that's being trying to be duplicated there. That's all going to be there in Babylon. And then the description given in this text of the 200 million rules out a human army. I don't think it's any way it could be a human army. And then the kings of the east in chapter 14 are not connected with this invasion at all. I think we are looking at a demonic army here. And and as we get into this appearance, I want you to think about this. There is another uh, area here that, that gives this same picture, and that's found in the book of Joel if you uh, don't, you don't have to turn there now because I'm not going to go through much of that. I'm going to le- actually mention it so that you can have it. But the book of Joel mentions this in Joel chapter 1 verse 15. Or you can just say all of uh, actually Joel chapter 2 uh, through verse 11. Joel chapter 2 uh, is a parallel to this. And it is a very frightening thing uh, to go through this. But uh, you go through there and you see this is not human. These are, This is just not a human army and to go through some of this in which i which let me just cover a little bit because we're talking about the description of them in joel chapter uh, 2 you, you see an approaching army of demons it's very clear demons giving clear evidence that the day of the lord or <coughs> referred to as the day of jehovah has arrived that's how the the the, the jewish people can know that the day has come He then describes the day of Jehovah as being composed of darkness and gloom and clouds and blackness in chapter 2, verse 2. Then he gives a little bit more of a description here of the, uh, Joel points out the invading army in verses 2 through 9. He describes their approach which shows their uniqueness and the devastation they bring. You read this and you think, men can't do that. How are 200 million men going to march throughout the entire globe killing as many people as they are told to kill. I don't know how they could do that. Uh, And by the way, it doesn't say this, but I guarantee you that when they finish, there's still 200 million of them. Not one of them has been destroyed because they're sent and commanded by God to do a job. But it says in verse 3, they relate, which relates so clearly to Revelation chapter 9 and points to something other than human. The description of this invading army giving their appearance, beginning in verse 4, uh, by talking about the noise or the terror of them, of fear of the people, the speed by which they come, the discipline of each of the participants in this uh, army, and their attack. All of those are given, verse 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Joel chapter 2. And again, the similarity with Revelation is striking. It, it, it just it's almost parallel it confirms that these invaders must be demons. Well, why are you mentioning that? Why are you emphasizing that? Because I, I, it's, it's almost ridiculous to read so many commentaries out there that talk about it can't be demons. Demons have just invaded the earth in verses 1 through 12. And the difference I, I see in that is that first group that billow out of, of the pit of hell in black smoke and cover the earth. They're meant to their their purpose was to torment men for five months. They were not allowed to kill them. Now this army is sent of two hundred million more, 
And their purpose is not to torment, but their purpose is to kill. And so you see this, the passage concludes with the reason for the invasion is the judgment of God. The text states, in Joel that is, the text states, that the army is great for there are 200 million demons. And and it is enough for God to execute his command, the destruction of one-third of humanity. One-third of the people on earth are going to have to face them. And man, their destruction is fast. You read this there. The riders had breastplates the color of fire and brimstone. The heads of the horses are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone. And I've read situations of commentaries where they say, well, this is nothing more than they have rockets strapped to their back that would give the idea of verse 19. The power of the horses is in their tails. Their tails are like serpents, and they do harm. And then Joel talks about fire coming from the, the tail and fire coming from the, from the head. They're saying this is like helicopters with rockets going from the front and through the back. Well, you know, God doesn't have to use helicopters. Why can't God use a demonic force and give them the, the power to do whatever they need to do to accomplish what the Lord wants to accomplish? We always try to figure out a way to, to justify sometimes prophetic scriptures. Well, we don't have to. We can take it at face value. I take it at face value that this is demons and that this description really does describe them. Now, the thing it doesn't tell me here, and it's very interesting, is that it doesn't tell me whether the people on earth will actually see these demons or are these demons invisible. After all, we don't see them now, but will the people see them then? Is this a description of what John sees going through the earth that is vivid to him, but are they vivid to the people on earth? And I think it is visible to the people on earth because I think that's what Joel talks about in verses 2 through 5 of Joel 2, talking about the terror of their... The people are terrified of this because they go forth... Look at how it says in verse 18, a third of mankind were killed by these three plagues. What three plagues? The three plagues mentioned in verse 17, which are by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouth. I think they're going through the earth. In fact, when you read actually Joel chapter 2, it's they jump from mountain to mountain. Well, how men can't do that. Hel- helicopters are not described as jumping from a mountain to a mountain. They go over the mountains, but I don't think this is helicopters. I really don't. I think it's a, I think it's a supernatural army of demons, and I think that uh, I think it's better understood as a demon force, particularly when it's connected to four demons who are being have been held back and are being, they're in they're in bonds right now, being held bound at the river Euphrates. That's where they are right now. They're bound, ready for the coming. To be released at that exact moment when they know it. But but notice even on that, looking back at that even, verse 14. Uh, the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, uh, and four angels who, verse 15, who have been prepared for the hour. They are already ready. They are ready to go marching through the earth. They are ready in their fury to go through the earth and killing one-third of mankind. 
And then when when you read this, the the description that John gives, like the heads of the horses or heads of lions, that's descriptive language in his vision. God has to represent to John the demons in some way that he could see them visually. The vision is of these lion-headed beings. That means fear. It doesn't have to be a lion. It doesn't, because it's like, the word like is used here. It doesn't have to be an actual head of a lion. You see, it says, are like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths proceed fire, smoke, and brimstone. Which means, I think it could very well mean they're fierce, they're strong, they're determined. They stalk their victims to slaughter. And when he says, out of their mouths, in verse 17, proceeds fire and brimstone, uh, this is like, again, the representation of the fury of hell, the devastating power they carry. It's going to be frightening to the people who dwell on the earth. The power has an effect on these. Their power is an effect, and it kills one-third of mankind. Now, I don't know what you think, but that's not where I want to be. They kill with smoke, suffocating people. You know, of course, that in, in, in people in fires, as many people have been in fires, many of them die in fire. Smoke inhalation from the fumes, the sulfur, the uh, gas asphyxiates them, and the gas of, of, of this group of demons is going to do the same thing. It's really an absolutely frightening scene to have to go through. The power of the horses is in their tails. Uh, I don't even know what that is actually saying other than that. I mean, this is a vision. This is imagery the Lord is representing to him. Their destructive power in some visualization. Horses, lions, serpents. Those are things that he can understand because they are devastating and destructive things, powerful things. This is going to be a terrible time. And remember this, it can't be describing men. This is not describing men. This is describing the release of demons and the return of death that was being held back before. And so with this, uh, I'm going to have to conclude for today because uh, I want to get in next time to the reaction. We saw today the release of the demons, the reason for the release, the where they were bound at the river Euphrates, and then the revelation of these angels in the vision and the description. And then next time I want to see the reaction of the earth dwellers. Because the action of the earth dwellers is really, to me, more interesting than the demonic army that goes out killing the people. But remember this, the power of salvation is... is is something that cannot be uh, underestimated. There is a power that is from the from the uh, gospel alone. And Romans one sixteen even tells us that, and that salvation is truly an act of God that saves us from the wrath to come. And it, it's an amazing thing to think that people in this time during the tribulation period could hear or see just any one of the events that they're going to see and not cause a man to want to fall to his knees, repent of his sins, and trust Christ. You can't even understand why everyone would not be saved. But I'm here to tell you, many, many, many people 
will not trust Christ. They will not confess Christ. They will not repent of their sins. We're even told that again and again and again and again. Well, why won't they repent? What's stopping them from repenting of their sins and turning to Christ for salvation? Well, for now, this is William Rogers. I thank you again for listening. This is, uh, you know, I could go for five hours on this. I just can't. Because I know if I went five hours, I would have nobody listening to these. But I hope you'll continue reading the book of Revelation. Remember, you're blessed if you read that. God will bless you by reading the book of Revelation and studying it and then heeding to the things that are in it. Remember, the time is near. And if it's near, do you really believe it? Are you willing to share Christ with any person you see? Or are you intimidated because you might think or you're worried about what they might think of you? Don't be intimidated. Share Christ. Have your quiet time, your daily Bible reading every single day. Don't miss it. Use it. Depend on it. Draw your spiritual food and strength from the Word of God. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time.